yeah, still just trying to find my way really. So I didn't do it. So the first big production, um, well, yeah, wasn't until year 12. Um, and we did Romeo and Juliet and I was Romeo. Of course. A dream casting. The 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 dream casting. He waltzed into the doors (laughs) and they went, him. What we do here is go back, 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 back. And we're back. And we are back. With another episode of COVID in New Zealand featuring the Bros and Brews podcast. I couldn't resist. It's not funny. It's not a joking matter. But you know what? Sometimes making a little light of what is a serious situation is is a good thing. Because we can't ignore it, man. What changes in, in a week or at least since the last time we were here? I know it's it, it's it's crazy. It's uh, it's weird to think that we went 102 days, uh, sweet as, and uh, yeah, here we are. I'm in Auckland, and we're um we're in level three. Yeah, we should we should say for anyone that whose first time it is or or doesn't pay strict attention to the the geographical location of of Matt and I. Um, yeah, we're in quite different living living situations. And if you're not a New Zealand lister, welcome by all means. But yeah, since uh, Tuesday night last week, we have we have returned to varying lockdown levels in New Zealand, and Matt being in Auckland um, is in level three, forbidden from leaving the house except for essential <laughs> reasons. Whereas yes. I am allowed to saunter around safely with a mask and maintaining dif- distance. But yeah, it's interesting for us to be in such different situations, and I'm sure I'm sure people in Auckland are really like. I don't, I don't think bitter is the right word, but but how easy for it. Like when we were all in level one, easily forgetting what it was like to be in level four, I think mm. those of us who are in level two, how quickly we forget or can't remember what level three is. is like, how's it been for you like returning to trying to remember what level, level three is and all that? Yeah, well, I mean, f- for me, right from the get-go, I mean, the the first time around earlier in the year, level level four and level three to me is essentially the same thing. Mm. Like, I I am not leaving my house unless I need to. Um, I, to be honest, I'm not really going for walks and stuff anyway. But that that's my motivation. You know, I, we've talked about it before. It's 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 hard. It's hard getting in a really motivated uh, mindset when you're kind of just yeah, you've just got to stay at home and, and stuff like that. And you know, there's a there's been a lot of things going on in my personal life as well that um haven't made it easier for me. But um, yeah, it, it's it's just uh, if you don't need to go outside, don't go outside. That's yeah. that's really where I'm at with it. Yeah, but, and and I think I've kind of been trying to approach level two with a level. Th- three mindset yeah i mean i get you i have i mean i have been outside but my kind of instinct i don't know if it's because i have you know a close family member who's in the sort of immunocompromised area um area of of immunocompromising ability um (laughs) yeah my instinct is to not go outside and like avoid public transport and and that kind of thing but um one thing what really cracked me up this week was all of our discussions about about superstitions and coincidence. I mean, we got to say, Barkers, stop moving Matt oh. Stein Leach around locations because we're oh. two from two and <laughs> new work locations directly 
correlating or causing COVID outbreak. What do you have to say about this? This is an accusatory New Zealand journalist question, much like we hear at 1pm. What have you got to say for yourself? <laughs> oh, I, I've been, I've been uh, calling myself now the, the one-shift wonder. Because mm. um, that's exactly what happened. I got to Auckland when we went into lockdown. I worked one shift in High Street, straight into level level three and level four, and then the same thing happened. I I had finally, if you'd been if you've been following along my story with Barkers, finally became the manager of Sylvia Park, and I worked uh, I worked on Tuesday last week, and then the very next day we go into lockdown again. So I am literally the one shift wonder and. For some reason, COVID is just is just interrupting interrupting everything in my life at the moment. But um, you know, we can only but just go with the flow and take it as it comes. Um, I mean, really, it's an extend another extended holiday, but under under very different uh, circumstances and dangers. You know, it's what gave me some uh, a greater sense of calm this week when I realised that you had a weird like COVID onset coincidence because i had been at uh on on saturday night last saturday night was at a a party at at a house um a friend's flat and strangely it was the same house the same friend almost exactly the same kind of party as the last party that i'd had before um Uh, everything happened so it was the same house there was the same like i won't go into details but like there were elements of the, the party, people doing stuff. And I was like, don't do it. We did this last time and it <laughs> happened. There's yeah. a 15 second Snapchat video of me going, I don't know, guys, community transmission. And <laughs> lo and behold, two days later. And so isn't it funny with all our discussions about like superstitions and coincidences? I'm sure there's at least 10,000 people in New Zealand with similar like, oh, no, like, did I cause, did I? Yeah, it was and it's me. just, it's just, it's. Just chance, but you can't help but think like, oh, how did we have 102 days? And then, and then suddenly, um, yeah. what do they call it? With the, is it the butterfly effect? The butterfly well, effect? Butterfly, I think butterfly. No, that's a roll on effect. That's when you go yeah. back in time and step on a butterfly and that causes changes, massive shifts uh, in, yep, in the yep, timeline. Yeah, yep, um, that makes sense. Disregard. A classic, classic s- storytelling technique for any movie that involves time travel but but speaking of movies you said that you wanted to to talk about something that you would watch this week or yeah um, yeah i i did i did um i mean i I actually i'm gonna i'm gonna start it off with a question for you first oh yes of course it'll it'll go into it how quickly covid makes me forget everything that we've worked for over 13 episodes (laughs) you're excused you're excused um but yeah just to start it off um different tack to how from our superstition and, and things like that um mm. but do you do you have a do you have a movie director do you have a movie director out there that's that's sings to you has a, has a few movies um that is like yeah I, I will i will if this like you know 2000 and let's say 21 because not a lot's coming out this year but if a new movie was going to come out next year from a from a director that you like you'll definitely go yeah i'll watch that um yeah, I think probably it is uh, Christopher Nolan, and mm. as I'm sure probably you're aware, and people who are, you know pop culture movie type people um, are aware that his his latest film Tenet. Yeah, Tenet. I think most Ten- people tenet. pronounce it with an with an with an end, but it's not a tenant. Christopher Nolan is not a landlord. It's Tenet. Tenet. Um, the sort of 
rumoured Inception second cousin film was meant to be released I saw August 28th and I don't know if that was the original release date or that was the New Zealand release date because I saw at a point that it was meant to be coming here but not elsewhere now I've heard that that's not happening um but yeah Christopher Nolan as I mentioned last week uh uh so funny when you ask these questions i'm like double check that these people have done these movies but like (laughs) dunkirk inception um the ones that he's you know most well known for Mm -hmm. i just really like lots of those films strangely he's not a director where i can go like i really like his style whereas someone Mm. like tarantino for me is someone that i think has a very very clear stylistic sort of directorial footprint on his films um And I do really, really like Tarantino, but I think I've been a bit late to the game to sort of claim him as my favorite. Yeah, um, I was. I'm the. I'm the same with him. I'm the same. Like the first time I saw Pulp Fiction, I didn't like it, and then the rewatch recently, I did. Have I'd only watched the Kill Bill films in like 2019. Um, I haven't seen. Oh, this will make some film people angry. What's the first one he did? The with, very first one. With the guys. Um, I don't know. The guys. Like, oh. it's a lot of... Um, um, I'll, I'll keep talking and I'll look, I'll look it up yeah, while yeah. we're going. But, <laughs> but anyway, haven't seen it. The movie with the guys, haven't seen it. Whereas Nolan, I don't think I can say, like, I really like what Nolan does because of this. Mm. But I think just the the films that he has brought out almost all of them I've, I've absolutely loved. So yep. I'm really, really excited for, uh, Tenet to come out whenever it mm-hmm. does. Uh, Reservoir Dogs is the film with oh, the guys. Res- yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like I still haven't seen that. Haven't seen the hateful Wait. Um, but yeah, Django probably Unchained. Have seen Django. Love Django. Yeah. Love um, it. and I did enjoy once upon a time in Hollywood. I know some people didn't and some people did, but yeah, probably Nolan, uh, I feel like Wes Anderson, if you sat me down and made me watch all of his movies twice, would mm-hmm. really be up there because the ones I've seen I do love. Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably Nolan is my somewhat safe but definitely um, fair reflection of my movie preferences choice. But but what about you? Nice. Um, yeah, I, I've I've got, I've got a few myself. Um, David Fincher. Uh, oh, yeah. is a big one for me. Seven, Fight Club, Zodiac. Um, some Did you great- do Gone Girl as well? Um, oh, gosh. I've seen Gone Girl. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that was him. But, um, but it yeah. Was se- it was him. It, it was Sorry him. to just Sorry. shut no, down no, no, your favourite director. No, but just Gone Girl. Absolutely loved oh, it. We continue what on. A, what a shame. Um, but yeah, Fight, Fight Club and Seven are one of my favourite, um, was it uh, late late nineties? I think yeah. um, those ones were um, Darren Aronofsky as well. Recommend for a dream, Black Swan, uh, and Mother that came out a few years ago with Jennifer Lawrence as well. Um, I just love that uh, th- those guys the the way that they stylize a lot of things, um, a lot of like surreal stuff and and things like that. But um, the the reason I asked you that question today was actually because I watched a movie uh, just the other night. Um, T2 train spotting. Have, have, have you seen it? Have you seen train spotting? I haven't seen the sequel, nor have I seen the original. <gasps> you haven't seen Again, the original? James's right. poor effort on watching classic <laughs> films from the 70s to early 2000s strikes again. I've not seen either. Yeah, no, I, that's fair enough. Uh, I mean, yeah, director, 
Danny Boyle, um, who's done also The Beach um, with with our boy Leo. Uh, 28 Days Later, Slumdog Millionaire as well. Um, and his most recent one was actually Yesterday, um, the movie about the, the everyone forgets the Beatles and this one guy. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm also seeing that really great movie. But yeah, I, I recently watched uh, T2 Train Spotting. I've seen the first one before. And I just, uh, I was sitting here on my couch uh, all alone with the cat and I just really appreciated it. Um, you know, the first one follows um, the journey of um, a, a group of friends in Edinburgh um, and their addiction to heroin and drugs and things like that. And it's it's just, it's very confronting, you know, it's not an easy watch um, it, and by all means it doesn't glorify drugs and heroin or anything like that, but it just, he's really good at creating a, um, like dream sequences and um, sensory overload and things like his use of colors and um, uh, what, what was, what was the, just uh, it's layers, the way he layers different things, foreground and background. And it, 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 he paints a picture really beautifully on a screen. Mm. Um, and yeah, watching train spotting, it follows up after the boys 20 years. Cause it is, it's 20 years after the first one was done. And it was just, it was once again, great. Ewan McGregor, uh, train spotting is where it all started for him. It's where it kicked off. Um, and it, it was just, it was really amazing. So for everyone out there that doesn't necessarily want to, it's not an easy watch. Like there yeah. is some, some imagery and things in the movie that is very confronting and very real. But I think that's the thing I love the most about it is you have, you know, real, real friendships and real stories of these guys, but all of this, you know, point of view, surreal dream, time-lapse voiceovers and the use of colors, just the way he, he, brings these stories forward is just is really beautiful so um recommend train spotting and t2 train spotting maybe don't watch them back to back like i said it's pretty intense Um, if you haven't watched them uh watch the first one uh wait 20 years and you'll appreciate the uh the time the time difference yeah exactly exactly but yeah no just uh yeah i basically just wanted to bring that one forward today because i i loved it i absolutely loved it i i love i love the way that both Danny Boyle, David Fincher, and Darren Aronofsky, all starting with D's, coincidentally, um, the the way that they do that surreal stuff in a, in a very very real setting is just is just really good, and I, and I love that kind of style. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't really, as I said before, I don't pretend to be someone who watches film through the eyes of like, oh, this is this director's latest or where this fits in this director's. I'm actually quite bad at that. Like I was Mm. just thinking about Spielberg before. It's obviously an iconic director. Yeah. And I probably couldn't name five five films that he's directed off the top of my head. I will have seen five films. Oh yeah. If you tell me, I'll know that he directed them, but I'm, I'm not very good at uh, associating directors with film. Maybe that's like an actor's bias and, and my own sort of, ignorant kind of like oh well it's all about the performances and not about the direction um but what you say i mean what you say about fincher he is probably quite similar in that his films tend to be very edgy often have violent moments i mean like gone girl there there's some mm. scenes in gone girl where you really just go like oh, i don't really want to watch this mm. right now but yeah, I mean, that's effective filmmaking, right? Like if you have that visceral reaction to something that you and I both know is like a mixture of red food coloring and probably some kind of maple syrup and 
like <laughs> bit of flour in there. Like if you can, if you can get that, like, Ooh, I don't really want to watch that. I mean, the most recent experience I've had with that kind of film, that kind of reaction was definitely Parasite. And I, I uh, didn't yeah. see Parasite until, uh, maybe like week two of lockdown. Um, that was one of the best things about lockdown, actually. A little side tension is that mum, dad and I, um, sort of made a deal that every Monday night would be film night and we would start at a certain time. You weren't allowed to have your phones in the room. Lights were off. And if you needed to go to the toilet or wanted to get food or whatever, you just missed part of the, mo- the, yeah, I part love of the that. movie. <laughs> just trying to get that sort of escape from the world that was yeah. raging on outside. And it was great. Right. Like we watched a lot of uh, into, like foreign films. And because every week a different person would pick it. So we kind of had this weird um, jump through. Uh, but yeah, eventually watched watched Parasite, and and strangely, I, I I knew about Parasite and knew it had won all those Oscars, and knew I was like a uh, you know a really like interesting genre bending film. But I f- I feel like when people described it to me, or when I read sort of critically described genre, some were like dark comedy, and some were like thriller, and I kind of didn't really know what I was up for genre wise. And then I mean, have you seen Parasite? No, I haven't. No, you haven't, do you? No, you I know, watch, bro. Watch oh, that movie. I know. Watch that movie because I mean, obviously, no spoilers. But there are points in that film where I was like, <laughs> "That's all. That's all I will say." Yeah. Um, yeah. At some point, I should go through the the list of films that we watched because man, we went all over the place. You know what? Some of them weren't great, and pretty rare to actually sit down and watch a film that you object just subjectively didn't enjoy. I think so mm. often we pick films that other people have recommended or Rotten Tomatoes says is, is good. And, and I think there was actually some positives to take from spending 90 minutes to like two hours watching something and thinking, you know what? This actually didn't grip me, especially when you're in lockdown and, and not valuing your time in, in the same way. But but I digress. Anyway, watch Parasite. That's a that's a whole whole another discussion to have. My yeah, my nice. Lips, my lips are sealed, <laughs> proverbially be sealed. I'll, I'll um, put it on the list because we always recommend so many things, what music and movies and things like that. I think we we just need to start writing them down and just working our way through. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Actually, we're just tossing out these recommendations. I mean, how many films have you mentioned that I haven't watched, and here I am. Mm arrogantly saying watch this film <laughs> hasn't seen train spotting watch this film haven't seen any of the godfathers what an absolute uh, okay, terrible okay. representation of of someone who claims to be interested in pop culture and, and film <laughs> but anyway right. we'll let you anyway off. we we should we should let me off and we should move on um <laughs> this week matt and i we were discussing about we've sort of fallen into into I say pattern in a positive way, like doing some episodes that are more kind of hard hitting topics or more serious discussions like last week with the sex and sexual sex and sexuality. Absolutely botched it. Um, a discussion about the sort of ethics of, of having kids. And then some of our episodes have been more sort of focused on performance stuff. And some has been more focused on just the random quiz, weird music shout out weeks um and this week's one of those performance weeks and and we were saying that we'd we'd chatted a lot about uh, like how we feel about performance and our sort of views on it but we haven't really done a deep dive into our sort of performance background and like our histories and and how we how we started out and 
and sort of as a flow on from last week's episode where we talked about how sort of notoriously doing doing drama at school and showing a particular level of enthusiasm for drama at school for a lot of um young young guys sort of got us labeled gay and yeah we thought we'd we'd talk a little bit more about drama at school and and how it all started and kind of i guess that naturally is the way way we ended up here i mean so for you remind me when you when you were talking about your school experience did you start drama at year nine like the secondary school that you went to and was it like an option subject or, or how did you get to that yeah, so it was a it was an uh, optional subject year nine. Um, it was actually the first year um, that it, it was properly introduced into the school. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. They they had tried to put drama in before, I believe, but just an, not enough people were picking it up. And I think once again, obviously, that it was an all boys school, and whether it was that stigma behind drama and everything like that, there just wasn't a lot of people doing it. And I think, yeah, there was a few select students that, that did do it during that time, but it wasn't actually a subject. Um, so yeah, when I arrived at school, it was officially an, an optional subject. Um, and I jumped on it straight away, jumped on it straight away. For sure. And was it like, cause I, I mean, I want to focus on, on you for a bit, but I remember sort of year nine and year 10 drama is very much like improv games and like oh, media yeah. dell'arte. And was, was yep. that a similar experience for you? Very like, as it has to be like broad strokes of yeah. chuck a Shakespeare in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it was. Um, like all the fun games, just ba- the, the basics, real, real basic stuff. Um, and then it wasn't until obviously the, you know, you go through the years, you start to kind of do a little bit more devising and directing work and mask work, like you said, Camellia Delarte and and things like that. So it, it got a little bit more niche. Um, and obviously the class numbers actually started to go down as well. So, I mean, I did drama all the way all the way till year 13. Um, and because it was optional, it was, it was a very full class. Um, and in order for classes to stay open, there has to be enough students doing it. Mm. But I think when we got to year 13, there was only about, oh, I want to say maybe 10 of us actually doing drama. Um, yeah. But it, we had done, as I'll explain now, we had done so well um, that we were actually able to keep it going because we, I don't, we were the we were the face of our school really. There was a yeah. there was a group of us of maybe five or six, and for a, my whole time in, in Hamilton going through school, we were actually donned the the drama boys um, the because drama we were boys. Yeah, well, because we were just we were so well known um, across Hamilton um, because we were doing Sheila Wynn and improv combat and and things like that. Um, so it, yeah, and we were very good at it. So we got that name for ourselves, especially from our sister school down the road as well um we did a lot of stuff with them so yeah we we got that reputation so we were able to just absolutely build the drama culture in our school which was really really cool to be able which to is, do which is no which is no mean feat i mean i think building a drama culture takes the right group of people in the right years and probably like the right kind of teachers and and the right kind of choices made about stuff. But so, so when was like your first production of any kind? Cause I, I think that for most people is the sort of thing that really solidifies that drama is something that you enjoy. Like, mm. yes, we can have drama classes and NCA drama. And a lot of people were like, Oh, well, this is more enjoyable than 
physics or or whatever but when was your first uh, production of of any sort yeah well it, it it actually take it back take it back to the to the early 2000s when i was in primary and intermediate obviously primary and intermediate we did school productions and stuff like that yeah. and i remember i got cast as a lead um who was like this he was a sultan. He was like this Elvis Presley kind of guy. I even had my own song. And so like, you know, that was performed in front of everyone in our school hall. And that was the first big moment I had for acting in the sense of like that moment was really all on me. Um, And that was, yeah, that was way before high school. Um, And it, it was something that I really didn't have a lot of interest in but once I had done that, I kind of I, I kept my eye out on it. So obviously, when I got to high school in two thousand and nine, I was like, "Yeah, I want to do this because this yeah. this is this is interesting." Um, but my first like big school production wasn't actually until two thousand and twelve. Really? Um, so a full yeah. like three years of yeah. Well, when I when I first got there, I think it's every every two years, um, our school and our sister school would do a joint um, school production. And the in 2010, when it was first offered, I was really like fresh into it. Like I was only doing drama in, in class. I wasn't like, oh yeah, like I'll, I'll go for it because I was still trying still to find my boy. Yeah, <laughs> I was still trying to find my feet in an all boys school. Um, and 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 yeah, still just trying to find my way really. So I didn't do it. So the first big production, um, well, yeah, wasn't until year 12. Um, and we did Romeo and Juliet, and I was Romeo. Of course, a dream the, casting. The, the, the dream was, casting. He waltzed into the doors, <laughs> and they went him. Um, that's really interesting because you you've said to me before that Shakespeare was was something that was a huge part of you your like drama at school experience. I think that can can really range based on like what school you're at and and mm-hmm. whether they. Mm-hmm are involved in Sheila Wynn, which is a sort of a New Zealand Shakespeare festival, which I know has been a significant, was and has been a significant part of your drama, your drama journey. So your production of, of Romeo and Juliet, obviously if it was a full production, wasn't Sheila Wynn. Had you done Sheila Wynn before that? Or was it just that, that, yeah, no, I had, I had done Sheila Wynn. Um, when, when I first got to school, I knew that, it was going on and that people were doing it. Um, but I, I didn't get interested in it until in year 11. Um, and in year 11, me and my, my very good close mates, the, the drama boys, um, we decided with our drama teacher that, yeah, we were going to, we were going to enter it this year. Um, so we actually did uh, a Midsummer Night Stream, uh, the mechanical scene. And yeah. I played, um, I played, I played Thisbe actually. Uh, Not to be confused with Frisbee. An Not easy frisbee. mistake to make for those of you out there. Thisbe. <laughs> thisbe. Um, and yeah, we um, we pre- performed a 15-minute scene at our regional festival. Uh, we won our regional festival, so we were able to go down to the national festival. Um, and then from the national festival, I also got then selected to go to the National Shakespeare Schools production. Um, and yeah, that's as, that's as far as I got that year, but it was, that was my first really big introduction, uh, into, well, not introduction, but my, my first really newfound love into Shakespeare and, Mm. uh, doing it, doing it as a, as a woman as well, which was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, and it was, it was so much fun that I'm actually going to, uh, perform a little bit of it for you now. Yeah. If if you'll, if you'll have me. (laughs) No, I 
I will have you. I will sit here, and I am so excited for really the first sort of perf- performance that we've we've done. And we should just say that Matt and I have talked about like the fact that we're doing so much talking about performance. We actually should get on the mic and do it. So yeah, let, I mean live for us not live for them i'm not going to give you a second chance no pressure only one audience member i'm quite forgiving won't give you critique afterwards but no let's do it man i can't wait to hear it lovely so this is a this is thisby in the final moments of the mechanical scene um uh yeah be, be prepared i hope you enjoy asleep my love what dead my dove Oh, Pyramus, arise! Speak! Speak! Quite dumb? Dead? Dead! Oh, a tomb must cover thy sweet eyes! These lily lips, this cherry nose, these yellow cowslip cheeks are gone! Are gone! Oh, lovers, make moan! His eyes were as green as leeks. Oh, sisters three, come, come to me with hands as pale as milk. Lay them in gore since you have sure with shears his thread of silk. Tongue, not a word. Come, trusty sword, come, blade, my breast and brew. And farewell, friends. Thus, this be ends. Adieu, adieu, adieu. Bravo, brava. Thank you, thank you. uh, I would say a standing O, but alas, I'm (laughs) jammed under my desk. But a a standing O from from inside of me. Um, So enjoyable, man. Yeah, so, I mean, it was, for me, uh, I was having a conversation with my mum the other day. Me doing that in an all-boys school, like, you know, was was a very big, courageous thing. You know, doing drama playing rugby you know uh, uh, it was it, it was it was was very very courageous a guy uh pretending to be a a, a woman um but a very um a very orgasmic one uh for me i really just wanted to have fun with it and just really really play it up so that that's i mean obviously not note for note but that, that's how i um i did it back in the day um and i mean just some quick points i wanted to throw out there it was i had some really lovely feedback when we 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 did that scene um the line where i say lovers make moan um i actually when we were at the national festival i said that line and everyone in the audience actually like moaned oh and, really uh, wow yeah yeah and it was one of the things that the assessors said back like they were blown away that that like yeah the audience responded to that they listened they 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 were in love with it which was really cool um, and then, yeah, just the, the comedy and funniness of, of this guy having a, a orgasmic death 
on stage with a, a man in a toga lying on the ground with with his junk half hanging out um was was just was just so funny um but yeah the reason I wanted to do that today was because that was that was where I really found my love for um Shakespeare and also just like I mean character work yes but just the the comedy of of everything and stuff like that um but yeah, no, thank you for uh, listening to me uh, orgasm on the podcast. No, thank you. Thank, thank you. And I'm sure everyone else is, <laughs> is similarly thankful and moaning. But yeah, I think you're right. I think there are certain there are certain performances that we have done in the past that like stick with us for yep. whatever reason. And I completely understand why that, that performance within that sort of environment would have been so significant to you as an actor. And I, I was going to say before, before you you know, even discuss that, that, that was a real, like dipping both feet in, like mm. you're, that's a real, I'm all in. I'm here. I'm proud <laughs> of that. This is something that I enjoy. This is something that I'm, I'm good at. I doesn't mean you don't care what people think of you, but you're willing to do the, the thing. And as you said, um, be there. I just, uh, one thing that I noted down was, you know, People, people like to often be like, oh, did you know that Shakespeare's responsible for such common phrases as all that glitters, glitters is not gold and, and these violent delights have violent ends? Lesser known, line, eyes are as green as leeks. An yep. absolute classic that's underplayed, I feel. So underplayed. Never heard, never heard that before, except obviously in uh, in common speak when people say, "Oh, his eyes are as green as leeks." And now I know that. Sh- now I know it's Shakespeare. <laughs> That's where it comes from. <laughs> cheers, cheers again, Bard. Um, but yeah, it seems really clear that that Shakespeare was super formative for you in terms of of developing um, within school, and and yeah. so having done a whole, then doing a whole production of it, and. and 2012 i imagine must have been like because for those that don't know sheila when you you pick a scene in 15 minutes is kind of roughly the time limit and then i imagine going from that to a whole production was kind of a whole different thing like oh, you yeah. would have had all the the tech and the the run and the mm-hmm. opening night versus closing night versus the random thursday matinee which no one comes to is a little bit shit like <laughs> talk <laughs> yeah, to well, me about that uh, our, our school didn't have a uh, um, performance area. We our, right. our drama class, our drama class, just to paint a picture, from year nine to year thirteen, was the old teachers' lounge. It was tucked away near the back bush behind it, and it was it was decrepit, like it was it was horrible. Um, they put mirrors on one side, you know, the the kind of dancing studio kind of look, but it, and there was a kitchen in there. And, you know, big floor space, but it was literally the old teacher's lounge. Um, so we didn't have anywhere to do like big performances or anything like that. So we had to go down to our sister school and they had a massive drama tech department. You know, they had the much like Studio 77 at, at, um, at university um, in yeah, Victoria University. Um, so, yeah, it, it was it was very much like that. Uh, so that was just a great experience, but yeah, that was my first kind of, um, hold for, for that stuff that the, the technical elements and things like that. And especially playing Romeo as well, like that, that show is, is, is 
all about me. It's all about Romeo. So that kind of built pressure. I also had a girlfriend at the time. So <laughs> playing alongside Juliet was also kind of like, those are, those are tough orders to, to get across when you're in school, man. Yeah, exactly. But she was and like, she, are she, you two going to have to kiss? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> yes. She, she came to the show and she sat in the front row. And I remember wow. people, I remember people running to me backstage being like, she's in the front row. I was like, what, 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 what is she doing there for? And why um, would you tell me? Yeah. Why would you tell me? Yeah, exactly. Um, I was actually going to perform a bit of the balcony scene, but I, I actually, I, I love that, that Thisbe, um, take that I just did. Um, but yeah, would have loved to have done some Romeo. Maybe another time that might Maybe pop out. Maybe time. Um, <laughs> and then, and then please, I mean, I know, I know the story, but, but. Obviously, Sheila Wynn went a bit, bit further for you, and and I think you've 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 vaguely mentioned on the podcast before. But but what year did that take a next next level step for you? Yeah, 2013. So 2011, 2012, and 2013, we all we we run our we won our regional festival. We got down to nationals. In 2011, I got to the next stage uh, with another mate of mine, also from from our scene. Um, but we. Oh, excuse me, but we both didn't make it uh, to the next stage. And the next year got down to nationals, only one of us got selected, and then he actually got the opportunity, which I got the following year in 2013, um, of becoming a part of the Young Shakespeare Company, uh, which gets to travel over to London and perform on the globe, which was just a whole nother kettle of fish and just you know resurgence of why i love shakespeare and why i love acting you know it's we talked about this briefly about shakespeare it can have that kind of stigma behind it in school it's very boring and things like that but my journey with shakespeare in school was bloody amazing i got to go to london because of it but it was it was really it was really surreal learning about shakespeare and learning about the globe and everything like that and then finally in 2014 because uh, you know, 2013, I, I went to the National Schools production. And then the following year, we went to London. So I was in my first year of uni, but still representing my school pretty much. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just, just finally getting to the globe and standing on that stage was the most surreal, surreal feeling ever. And it, it really came full circle in my journey uh, with Shakespeare. I mean, I'm still doing it. I still, I've done a few productions. Um, outside of school and in Wellington as well of Shakespeare. And I, I love it. I just absolutely love it. And that, I mean, that must've been in a, that you getting picked for that must have almost been like you getting your first big break, you know? I mean, obviously mm. it wasn't, mm. you weren't getting paid for it. It was, you know, the, op, the opposite, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. in terms of that opportunity and recognition of you as, as being talented, which I think is kind of, probably the most crucial thing at school like it's all very well for you to be driven and to enjoy it but I think if you go through five years of school and at no point either your teacher or or friends or or like fellow drama kids or an external body in this case if you don't have that one point where someone's like you know what you're really talented whether saying that or recognize that recognizing it as you were then it's probably hard to to embark on that that further study at university and that further further drive. So I think that's yeah. as important as that Thisbe moment where you were like you stood up and said, "This is me. I'm here." 
equally important was probably that recognition of someone going, you know what, you're really good at this and we're recognizing that and we are giving you this opportunity to learn more and, and do more. Um, on a non on a non drama note, what I've just realized is really interesting about both of our our life stories is that we both did something in year thirteen that then translated into a trip in our first year of uni. Oh um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I did a, a history competition in my last year of school that um, I won. It was like a national history thing, and and the prize was like two thousand dollars towards tertiary education and and going up to Auckland, it was the Passchendaele Society, so for the Passchendaele service, and kind of didn't really think that much of it. And then I got a call in 2014, um, like in my bed, it was like eight in the morning in my hall, of this, uh, this lady basically being like, uh, so do you want to come to Gallipoli next year? Like we need some people <laughs> with centenary. And of course I was like, oh. it's so interesting that that kind of extra effort because we should say that Sheila when was like an extracurricular like you oh, would yeah. have had to do rehearsals oh, yeah. outside of school like additional exactly. to all that stuff yep. that extra effort put in school does sometimes translate to university stuff I feel like I mean this is a whole different discussion but I feel like the general consensus and opinion of people is that school doesn't matter like why did school matter but actually sometimes certain elements of your school experience can be way more formative than yeah than things that happen later on um yeah so i mean true. is there anything else you want to say about about your school school experience i feel like i have a much better understanding of of all of that <laughs> all of that stuff yeah I, I feel like everyone has now um because i mean for me at school it, it really was it was the sports which i've i've discussed um with the rugby before and and it was this you know um i mean you talking about the the you know people seeing your talent and stuff uh, throughout the same years, 2011, 12, and 13, I actually performed um, for a um, for a improv company as well in Hamilton. So that was actually my first proper paid gig. Um, so it was it was yeah, imp- improv combat was was what it was. So every every weekend there'd be a new set of teams facing off. Um, against each other in front of an audience and very much like whose line is it anyway but it had a few bit of a different spin on it so while I was in school I was doing that I was getting paid to just go and be funny on stage and perform with people sometimes twice my age older than me I was I was the youngest one in in the production company um, that that was doing it so that was also really cool as well so as much as I look back on school and I'm like I don't really want to be in that environment again um there it was there was there was some beautiful things and I wouldn't be the person that I am now and doing the things that I love if if it hadn't have happened so um yeah I definitely I definitely count my stars uh pretty lucky when it when it comes to when it comes to theater and drama and stuff yeah I think I I I agree I think you know for something that that's as difficult to pursue in the years afterwards um you have to be blessed with some kind of drama department that that welcomes you and comforts you and and it's really interesting to hear that you were kind of you almost didn't have that because there was no like history of that so you exactly dare i say like got quite lucky with the people that year and all of that um happening for me uh it probably is similar in terms of like year nine year ten interestingly i don't really have any like primary intermediate drama stories like the mm-hmm. whole like oh, when did you first know you wanted to be a performer i don't have any of that pre-2009 i must have enjoyed it 
dad loves guitar and you know used to sing in a barbershop quartet and do musical theater so i know i get that from him but for me like drama really started in, in year nine um similar to you like the same optional course not that many people all boys school um but yeah i think probably for me i had a far more production heavy school experience than you mm-hmm. from the sounds of it um yeah. in year nine we did uh peter pan was the oh, was the yes. college production and yeah i don't want to say like my year nine production was formative but it was in some ways because i got cast as the understudy to peter pan oh, true. um which i don't know how common that is in like secondary school productions but i got cast as the understudy i remember being gutted that i didn't didn't get the actual casting and that whole rehearsal process i did all the stuff like mm. learned all the lines and all the combat and and never went on as as peter oh, pan true. i think it was like a six so season or whatever um and kind of hilariously was also cast as nana the dog <laughs> <laughs> a much less glorified part than no than no peter. no 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 that that is a very pivotal part and we're talking the pre onesie <laughs> era so there were no down um she's not dalmatian she's no she wasn't there, yeah but for whatever reason i i think i was a spotty dog but pre onesie era so this was like a a paint suit turned into like a dog costume anyway um so yeah i never got to go on and kind of year nine i learned the lesson of like you know there are always understudies there are always people that do the work but aren't as recognized it's the same like if you're on a broadway show west end there's always swings and understudies people that don't go on um, and I think that kind of lit a fire under my ass being like, mm-hmm. I, mm. I should have been, I just, for me, like, nothing against the guy who, who played Peter. I really felt like I should have been that character. And so in a positive way, it probably prompted me to like, keep going onwards. Yeah. Um, and then in year 10, we did the college production was the Count of Monte Cristo, um, which I don't know if you've ever read or seen, but like amazing story. It's like 1,500 pages, an absolute classic. I do not know how it's condensed into a two-hour show. But (laughs) traditionally, like, so this was a senior production, so year 11 to year 13, I was year 10, and three of us from year 10 were, like, allowed to be in the production because we'd shown enough interest. And it was the best, like, minimum roles, maximum time just dicking around, like, but (laughs) part of it, but part of it. And we... Over those few years, year 2010, 2011, our drama department was kind of bowled down and this big performing arts center was built. And the good thing about that in year 10 was that there was no performance space. And so we uh, didn't, I mean, I don't want to say we didn't have any option, probably just the school, to be honest, threw money at it. It was like, we're going to do it at the Griffin Theater, which you will know from Wellington. Uh, Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so we had like a few days off school for packing. It was like a professional theater. And I remember sitting down for like watching the the rehearsal the day before dress finally getting to see the whole show and be like oh this is the show because i don't know i just play like soldier and random weight stuff and <laughs> famously me and 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 another guy like were told by the director our drama teacher like between you there's a line and someone gets to hold the gun so decide between you i took the gun always take the prop <laughs> way more interesting than the line yeah yeah um, yeah but so that would be two productions in a row with no lines. Um, and then in year 11, we did uh, sort of a 
Broadway owed show. So it was essentially a musical, but they'd kind of just put a bunch of songs together. Um, and it was fun. It was completely different. We did it with our sister school at our sister school. So that was a whole experience. And most people like who, who really enjoyed drama and were confident singers had like a solo. So this, the song that I led was, um, from Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, Jesus Christ Superstar. (laughs) I mean, there's something about musical theater for, for me where I remember that production did something different for me. I was like, wow, Mm. I love musical theater and, and song and the sense of like ensemble. When I remember, and that show was kind of a really formative moment for our school in terms of drama, because it got like a few weeks in and we just didn't have enough people. And somehow a few people like roped in a few of the rugby boys and, and I mean, I don't want to generalize, but a lot of the time, um, you know, rugby boys come from, uh, Maori or Polynesian backgrounds and, and often are fantastic singers and performers and have amazing voices and amazing confidence and a sense of community and performance. And there were a couple of, of guys playing in the first 15 that, that joined the show sort of reluctantly and they were amazing. One of them, cool. Jackson Garden Bashup, now playing first five for the Hurricanes. Yo. Um, <laughs> and like, they really got on board with whole, like, you know, the Grease songs and like the, yeah, yeah. the Sharks versus Jets sh- song from West Side Story. And, and there was a real good, like, the boys are here to play. Like, we're not just here to be add-ons yeah. to the, to the girls singing. So that added something different. And then, Year 12, we did Fame, at, was sort of like the production that launched the performing arts, sort of new building at, at, at my school. And, and I was cast as a lead. Um, fame, there's a whole lot of different versions. There's like the film version and the play version. And ours was a weird mashup because we were kind of trying to undercut the rights, I think. <laughs> I didn't say that. You didn't hear it from me. I hear what? Uh, um, but I played this character, Montgomery McNeil, who is kind of within this, all of the versions of the story. I think there's a representation of this character who's kind of the gay male who's struggling with his sexual identity. And you mentioned last week about, you know, playing gay characters. And that was definitely a moment for me, probably similar to your Thisbe mm. moment where I was like, mm. I want to play this character. I think I'll be good at this character. I don't give a shit what anyone thinks. I'm going to nail this role and do everything it needs and was super super proud of that that decision and being cast as that role and taking on board and and again i think we were really blessed that the momentum from the previous year really filled into the fact that lots more guys came into it more quote-unquote cool guys like came and got involved in the production and it was really like uh, oh, we almost have too many people. And I think being year 12 and a senior student, there was more of like a social vibe to it. And I was like, cool. Yeah. Like there's more people interested, but also turn up to goddamn rehearsal because some of us really, <laughs> like really invested in this. Um, <laughs> and then year for, for year 13, so we did all those big productions because we never did stage challenge. I know lots of schools oh, do stage yeah, challenge yeah. one year and their production next year. We could just mm-hmm. definitely never, ever get the numbers for it. So we just tended to do a production every year. Yeah. One with us and then one with the, the girls' school. And year 13 was kind of the first year we didn't do a big, big production, which I remember kind of being disappointed about. But in the end, I think it was it was uh, probably a, a positive because it meant we actually focused more on on the drama and like the storytelling and less of the like, Oh God, we have to sell out the hall and 900 <laughs> parents and all that kind of rubbish. Um, 
but I'll come to that in, in the end. But yeah, so for me, I feel like my drama journey was way more production heavy. And, and we did Sheila win a couple of years. Yeah, I was going to ask. I, yeah. I think a lot of the time or multiple years it clashed with like uh, sort of EOTC week or like other things that were going on. So we did mm-hmm. it in year 10. And much like the Count of Monte Cristo, I remember being the kind of junior person involved in a senior thing. And then for whatever reason, I think year 11 and year 12, we we didn't do it. And I think I was quite gutted by it because I knew about the, the nationals and the globe, the globe, the globe. If you're good, you'll go to the globe, the globe, the globe. And that didn't happen. And then year 13, it wasn't a focus for whatever reason, like for me or the drama department or... We did it in year 13, um, but yeah, that never really played a significant part. And then another thing that was extracurricular, but again, was kind of not massive, was 48-hour film festival. Did you ever do that? Oh, yeah. No, I didn't. I, do you know I've never done a 48-hour film festival? I mean, I haven't done it since school, but at school, man, talk about best weekend of the year. Because <laughs> you essentially sleep over at school, which is a massive, like, oh, we shouldn't be doing this Whoa. tick for our people. <laughs> They give you a lot of free V and the teachers can't really be like, oh, don't drink this, especially when you're a senior. You're there with a like drama mates. You have all these grand plans to make this amazing movie. Ten hours in, you realize how hard it is to make a film with <laughs> no money and no budget, and no special effects. Um, one of the years, I think I got like four hours sleep over the 48 hours and you're just Whoa. sitting there editing and you're like, why have we done this? But that's kind of the fun of production anyway, <laughs> yeah, right? Like even, exactly. even now, like, I mean, it's been 11 years since we were year nine. You still get that. Oh my God, we don't have a show. Like, Oh my God, mm. we don't, we don't have anything. And I think that was <laughs> really instilled at school. Um, but yeah, for me, my, my year 13, and I think one of my, not one of my like best moments, but I think for me was really transformative and being like, this is a show that I really enjoyed. It wasn't a musical to please the masses because quite often that is the case. With yeah. Schools like True. the productions they yeah. put on has to be able to involve 70 people so that they get all those parents. And, um, but yeah, we did uh, a production of Frost Nixon. Uh, are you aware of like the Frost Nixon story at all? I am not. No. Indulge me. Um, so basically, do you know who Richard Nixon is? Uh, a president in, yeah, in the yes, bygones of... Yep, yep. So Richard Nixon, most sort of famously known for being the, the I think, the first... God, American history. But basically he resigned from office after the Watergate scandal, which was all involved with like taping and the White House and mm-hmm. and like tampering and elections and all that kind of stuff. And, and some years later, uh, this British... Uh, sort of talk show host type personality david frost somehow like wound up being this person who interviewed rich nixon sort of for tv and i I mean, the whole backstory of how they became you know david frost became the person was fascinating but like this british interviewer interviewing like this famous ex you know american president was quite like an edgy choice i think mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. very like political drama is not necessarily the go-to for yeah for schools but it was just a year 13 production um and yes i i got cast as as david frost which i think was like a a massive opportunity for me i think part of the reason why i remember the role was it was 
for starters, the first time I ever attempted to do a different accent uh, in performance. And it was the first time, like, I learned RP, which is received pronunciation, sort of BBC, old-fashioned English, sort of the first thing you learn when you, like, go to a British drama school like I did, or you have to learn that. And, yeah, I just, I think now my, probably my fascination with classic British performance maybe stems from there and I remember at school like not struggling with learning RP at all because I was like well in year 13 I did blah blah blah, David Frost (laughs) also weirdly David Frost died like two days after our closing night so I was like true and our superstition coincidence world it was like I was the last person to play him probably how crazy (laughs) um but yeah I I wanted to do a little a little extract from that very different to uh uh, the (laughs) the the thisby thing but but yeah I I just I think for me doing a political drama in my year 13 and because of my my now links to the UK um yeah it's a has a place in my my memory for me mm. um it's from one of the interviews that that frost does with nixon right before basically he gets nixon to crack and basically the famous part of the interview was the fact that nixon said i'm saying when the president does it it's not illegal and that was kind of his admission of guilt which no one had ever been able to get out from him before which yeah. i think is also very relevant in this day and age a where very... corruption and abuse of power is obviously rife in American politics. And yeah, so we'll, we'll take you back to sort of some decades ago when, when Frost was interviewing Nixon and the, the idea of corruption of power was sort of very much on public mind. There's one conversation with Charles Colson in particular, which I don't think has ever been published but one of my researchers found it in Washington, where it's available to anyone who consults the records. You've always claimed you first learned of the break-in on June 23rd, but this tape made three days earlier clearly shows that to be a falsehood. In it, you say to Coulson, This whole investigation rests unless one of the seven begins to talk. That's the problem. Then moving on to a conversation you had with John Dean on March 21st, the following year, and one transcript alone, in black and white, I picked out. One, you could get a million dollars and you could get it in cash. I know where it could be gotten. Two, your major guy to keep under control is Hunt. Three, don't we have to handle the Hunt situation? Four, get the million bucks. It would seem to me that would be worthwhile. Five, don't you agree that you'd better get the Hunt thing going? Six, First, you've got the hunt problem. That ought to be handled. Seven, the money can be provided. Ehrlichman could provide it the way to deliver it. That would be done. Eight, we've no choice with hunt but the 120,000, or whatever it is right. Nine, Christ, turn over any cash we've got. Now, it seems to me that someone running a cover-up couldn't have expressed it more clearly than that, could they? You've always maintained that you knew nothing about any of this until March 21st, but in February your personal lawyer came to Washington to start the raising of $219,000 of hush money to be paid to the burglars. You seriously expect us to believe you had no knowledge of that. It was being delivered on the tops of phone booths with aliases and at airports by people with gloves on. That's not normally the way lawyers' fees are delivered. And soon after that, Nixon cracks. Yeah. 
bit of bit of Frost Nixon there for you. And I mean, it's sort of lost in the context of, of the history and everything, but I remember sitting in the chair opposite the guy that was playing Nixon and really hammering him with these questions. And I thought, wow, it's been kind of a complete opposite to Midsummer Night's Dream. How fun to to reinterpret a real life figure. And oh, yeah. He's yeah. slamming someone with these questions and just absolutely like knowing that my character was trying to get this admission of guilt out from him and and i mean you know that i have a, lo- a love of accents and impersonation mm-hmm. and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff and i think probably a significant part of that came from that that part from frost nixon and 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 yeah so i thought a little bit of that a little bit of political drama didn't do any accent practice today so apologies to anyone who <laughs> maybe is from the uk or has a great frp who picked up on some dodgy vowels there but you know what it's okay it's all oh, for fun it's it's okay because it's a lot better than what I could have done. Let me just say that for sure. <laughs> um, no, nah, that but, was that was cool, bro. That was cool. Thank you. Um, but yeah, that was my year thirteen, and and then yeah. it was sort of both of us were were off off to Vic, which it's crazy to think that that production was like seven years ago. Um, yeah, and in hard. your case, probably closer to ten for the the Thisbe, but for Thisbe, yeah. yeah. F- for me, I think drama at school was so driven by the the production stuff, and every year, every year doing that and the rehearsal process, and um, yeah, I look back on it on it now, and there's obviously a lot of it that I don't I don't remember, but I think for me that obviously, and the same for you, that drama at school was so formative, and I mean, I don't know when I had the the someone telling to me like, hey you have a talent for this, you, you, you know, mm. recognizing that. But mm. I think that was probably the most important thing to take out of drama at school and how that feeds on to now. Whereas I think we are in a profession where recognition of self-talent is kind of at its highest point. Like there's lots of professions that other people were in that, you know, I don't, and may, maybe I'm being ignorant, but I don't know if in law or in commerce or, you know, people will say like, wow, you're, you're an amazing accountant. Maybe clients, like if, if a lawyer gets you true, off a true. case, you shouldn't be. But in our industry, so much revolves around talent. And if you are talented or if you aren't, and I think it can be really hard to recognize your own talent sometimes. Yeah. And I think yeah. where we look at ourselves now as performers, looking back on the school years, it was probably less about about what we did like the specific productions or anything and and more about the fact that somewhere along that period someone said to us hey you're actually really good you're 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 really talented and probably someone saying you should continue on with this um and yeah that's that's a that's a bit of my my school slice of life and a a bit of yours as as well i i can't wait to whenever we move on to the next one and, and chat about uni and how different that experience was um but yeah it was it was fun going down memory lane and, and just learning a bit more about about how you started out because like i said other than knowing you went to the globe i kind of had no idea yeah well i, I mean that i was going to say the same exact same exact thing to you i think the thing that i love the most about it is that as you said we've had completely different upbringings when it comes to drama and performance and acting you know and i think one point i wanted to say quickly it was uh, it, it's invi- it's vital for for school to be able to give these opportunities for students for sure. you know i mean i think you're very lucky lucky much like my sister school in the sense of you had a performance um uh, 
performing arts you know center and things like that for me at my school we didn't have that so it really came down to our drive and our our love for the performance and things like that but I just wanted to say you know you don't have to have shiny things in order to enjoy something you know it doesn't have to be top of the range in order for you to enjoy something as long as you have drive and a love for it and I mean like you said I mean if you've got a little bit of talent it definitely helps Um, but I mean us creatives you know we live to make anything from nothing you know um so uh so i yeah so thank you very much uh for for sharing a little bit more of that story bro uh really appreciate it no thank you and i couldn't think of a a better way to to end this week episode 13 unlucky for some and what has been arguably an an unlucky week but nice to sort of escape some of of all the the raging madness of the weekend and take a trip down down memory lane so thank you for sharing and thank you everyone for listening um we hope you enjoy and we'll see you next time peace